0: Hello, this is Claire McCallan, and you are listening to Letters from the Least, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network, and my brainchild. Uh, You know, in the first episode, I didn't get a chance to address it too much, so I kind of want to dive in about where the name Letters from the Least came from. Love your dreams, work hard, stay focused. A lot can change in a year. I know this, but even if it does not don't let that break you down. Your goals and your dreams is where the magic's found. Failure's something that we all must accept cuz the only thing worse than death is regret. Your day Where the name letters from the least came from. First of all, it's a little bit of a Inside joke between me and me, which is not unusual as I am an only child. <laughs> um, but it is an opportunity for me to kind of have a phoenix moment, a little bit of a flower growing out of a sidewalk, because Letters from the Least is the name of the first manuscript that I ever submitted to publishing companies. And I was very naive. I was like, oh man, wow, wait till everyone finds out that I got published on the first try. Uh, Did not get picked up by anyone, Um, but so it just died. And I always liked the title. I liked the concept. uh, So it was really exciting to get to use it here in this format and have still something creative and good and beautiful and true come out of it. And the reason that I call it Letters from the Least is because uh, in the most humble and not self-depreciating way possible I really do see myself as the least, and I do have these moments where I think it's totally bizarre and a little bit scary that I do get the platform that I do, such as this, which I couldn't be more grateful for, and I will always gladly accept it, but I'm always like, oh no, that that crazy sense of imposter syndrome, where it's like, do they know that I don't have a theology degree? Do they know that I didn't take an English course in college? Do they know that I don't have a writing degree? Any of these things? Like, do I not read enough for this? Uh, I'm a little surprised always when I'm given this platform, because while I do think that everything I say, I say with such sincerity, uh, I I always think, who me? Uh, so what you're hearing on this podcast really is, is that it's, these are my little love letters to God, to my friends and family, to art, to the transcendentals, all of these things to myself sometimes when I need it. Uh, but I do consider them to be letters from the least. These are very humble musics from kind of the bottom tier. Uh, that's me, you know, but you need you need a bottom tier to hold up the pyramid, right? So today is episode two, and the title is Calling the Devil by His Name. And I hope by now, friend, you don't start to think that I have some weird fixation with the devil, because I did mention him in the first episode. But as I mentioned earlier, a lot of my poetry does come back to him because I think that it's really, really important for us to call him out and call him out out loud and embarrass him and just put him in the light because he will shrivel up when you put him in the light because he's he just he can't stand against light. And we need to be doing this in circles that give light. So if you're having these experiences of spiritual warfare, like I mentioned previously, for me, it comes in anxiety attacks, panic attacks. Uh crazily it's it's he's so obvious, you know. He he has no grace, he has no class. He is so obvious. He always comes for me with this anxiety and this panic right before I'm about to do something amazing. And it, it happened before my first tour. I almost called the whole thing off because I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating. I was having these crazy panic attacks um, while walking down one particular sidewalk every time to the point where I was like, I wonder if there's something going on in one of these buildings, something dark, because it always happened around the same spot. Uh, These crazy feelings of and the nightmares that I would get on my first tour and on my second tour, it's like I wasn't sleeping during either of them, getting these insane dark nightmares. And you know what? It's not surprising that right before recording the first episode of this podcast, I had a horrible nightmare, uh, which is terrible because just the night before I had a dream that I was falling in love with one of the characters from Gilmore Girls, Logan Huntsberger. That was a great dream. And then the next night, the night before I filmed my first episode, I'm having a nightmare that my eyes are bleeding and I wake up so upset. And he does this. He tries to torture us and mock us and scare us out of the good things that we can create and the ways we can collaborate and the ways that we can come into our faith and come into our own. So I do think it's important to center a good chunk of my art around him because spiritual warfare, it's not one-sided. If he's fighting, then I'm fighting back, and I'm fighting back the best way I know how, which is poetry because I'm not very athletic. So poetry it is. So we are going to start with the first poem, uh, a very very controversial poem, possibly my most controversial poem to date. So we will start with a read-through and then a little... A little discussion of that. Poem one. And what will the devil look like when he knocks on your door? Well, I'll tell you this much, he won't have to charm his way over my welcome mat. All he'll have to do is offer a little reprieve. A little release, a little time for me. So no, he won't have to trick his way in. honestly, all he'll have to do is offer to watch the kids. And I'll sleep right through the moment he becomes part of my family. He'll choose the TV shows and the microwave meals. He'll teach them that hitting back is the way to show the bully how it feels. And I'll be napping in the next room the whole time so thrilled to finally have some hours that are just mine. How will the devil look when he knocks on your door? At my house he knows he doesn't even have to knock anymore. Old friend, he coos as I pour him some tea, sit down and share all that dirty laundry with me, and maybe for a moment I'll feel just a hint of bad, but honestly, I'll just be proud that I made someone laugh with something a little salacious. Because something about being a gossip makes me feel so important, so vivacious. So even when the devil's done with me, I'll remind him he's always got a spot at mind for hot tea. What will the devil look like when he knocks on your door? A lot like looking in the mirror? That's why I trust him enough to let him in. That's why I trust myself to let these habits begin. He doesn't come as a fright, an apparition. He comes as the character of my vice, a version of myself I let in. I can't dance but I swear the spirit moves. So that is as I said earlier, probably just about my most controversial poem to date. And I would like to say for anyone who was upset um, when I first got the backlash maybe a month ago, I didn't I didn't really see their point. A lot of people said that it was it was kind of like mom shaming and I know so little about that because I am unmarried. I am not a mom. Can't even keep a plant alive. Uh, my roommates won't let me get dogs. Um, so I think I was a little blind to that. And then when I was reading this preparing for the podcast, I, I totally see how it could be read in that way. And the intention was never that I was writing this as I do everything else. It, it happens to be something that people want to hear and something that gets shared. But the reality is you're reading my prayer journal basically. Uh, but it happens to be presented in a way that's poetic so it's you know fun to be shared and uh, has a message but this is my prayer journal and when i'm talking about these things i am critiquing myself for the way that i let the devil into my family unit which is not uh what most family units look like a lot of times i i'm i work as a caretaker right now um so i see myself accidentally opening the door for the devil into my home through my own laziness. Uh, and because I kind of want to phone it in sometimes. So if this was something that you read, uh, if you're a reader of my work and you heard this right now or read it last time, and you felt that this was an attack on you, first of all, I would like to apologize, uh, on the case that I should have been possibly more careful with my words, but also just explain That this was meant as a critique on myself. It's something I've noticed when I'm supposed to, in any situation, be caring for another person. Um, I've caught myself sort of phoning it in, in those moments, because I'm just dying for that me time. And I end up neglecting the person who I need to have that extra stamina for. Um, So that is my first piece about the devil. And the second one, I have this great little note next to it um, that I wrote for myself. It says, doesn't rhyme, because if I'm not careful, <laughs> careful, I read everything with sort of a little sting-soggy lilt to it, uh, because I always expect everything I've written to rhyme. And I forget that sometimes my poems don't rhyme, so you'll catch me kind of trying to rap through this, and it's like, ah, it doesn't rhyme, sweetheart. Uh, this poem was written at the beginning of COVID, when we were still sort of figuring it out. And all of my plans were coming crashing down. Any touring opportunities, which is how I've been making my living up until recently, because, you know, can't really be doing that right now. Uh, All my touring opportunities were canceled. I had an artist residency uh, at the Grunewald Guild out in Washington. Can't say enough good things about them. Look them up. Please look into their art residencies. They're incredible. Their classes, they're all online right now. Still totally worth it. They offer classes in... Gosh, any art form you can possibly imagine. They're the most incredible people. Uh, and quick little plug, I am teaching a class actually soon. If you want to check that out, if you want to do a spoken word class with me. But that was canceled. My art residency, my touring opportunities, everything was just <sighs> crash and burn. Like it did for so many people. I I know that my case is honestly by far one of the mildest ones. Uh, but this is something I wrote uh, to process that, that feeling of loss and that feeling of not really having much to work with anymore and always a moving target. I think that's been a lot of our experiences of COVID is this moving target where you don't know when it's going to end or what's going to come next and kind of dealing with that and the devil's manipulations through all this. So poem two doesn't rhyme. (laughs) I woke up and dragged the sand out of my eyes. My tongue was bloated with dehydration. I tried to wet it, but the effort only crunched desert silt between my teeth. Sensation sent shivers down my spine. I tried to stand, but couldn't seem to get off my knees. The dryness had sunk into my skin and settled between my bones. How long have I been out here? I whispered to the wind. Funny how when time has no meaning, it means more than ever the wind whispered back. She placed a cool palm on my cheek and with a gentle push guided my attention to a flowing spring in the distance. Oasis, I choked through my hourglass throat. Oasis, she agreed. Or mirage. I thought I heard her laugh as she flew away. A fickle friend, that wind. Alone, I squinted at my supposed oasis. I released the tension around my eyes and dropped my focus to the sand I sat upon. The relief in the distance could be salvation or illusion. But the sand at my feet, the sand at my feet was real. And the fingers crackling on my hearth lap might be brittle, but they were real too. So, I began to build sandcastles. I dug and piled and shaped. I measured and messed and tried again yet help did not come so after three days i laid in my fortress of grit and metal and allowed the desert to take me and with a hoarse hallelujah i shouted my last defiance of the desert and praise of the god who made it if i'm going to go out i'm going to go out building kingdoms So that was our second poem. You know, looking back a little, feels a little melodramatic now that I know that I would have a decent amount of stability through it, but it was the beginning of COVID and none of us really knew where things were going. We had this moving target where we didn't know if our plans were going to be able to be kept or if opportunities were going to go away. We didn't know what the toll was going to be taken, Um, not just on little things like our social life, but also on the well-being of people we love. So... That was my processing of it, and I was really happy to, in that piece, use a feminine voice for the devil, because I feel like we always see him represented with a masculine voice, but if we're going to be on alert for his manipulations from all angles, we we need to see the manipulations from from all the many angles he might come whether it comes as a young voice or an old voice or a masculine voice or a feminine voice if we kind of typecast him a little too soon we'll we'll miss it when he's manipulating us in a way we wouldn't expect so it was nice to let the wind be the manipulator and the wind be the woman in that uh this third poem Mm -hmm. doesn't directly deal with the devil too much, but deals with someone who he did unfortunately very successfully and very famously manipulate, and that is Judas. And so this was part of my second North American poetry tour uh, called A Saturday Night Alone. And the topic was, of course, loneliness. And what I did was I told stories of loneliness from the perspectives Of famous biblical characters so Noah was in there uh, Christ on the cross was in there and Judas who we're going to talk about today and I feel a very heartbreaking empathy for Judas because I think we really all can see times in our own life actually pretty frequently where we sell out Christ for such a small price uh we do it almost daily. I think a lot of us in little ways, I know personally, as a young person, who's always trying to walk that thin line between being of the world and being in the world and all of that. There's been so many times where I didn't speak up when I should have, Um, moments where I've laughed along to jokes that aren't funny, little ways that I sell Christ out. And this poem was me kind of exploring my similarities to someone who we like to pretend we have nothing, nothing in common with. So, this poem is a character poem, which means I am adopting the persona of Judas and we'll be speaking from his perspective. I'm headed into town today because I just got paid. I've got 30 pieces of silver burned in a hole in my pocket, lighting up my steps like a rocket. I did something bad, but I don't feel bad. I thought about all the time I'd wasted trying to be good and I got mad. Oddly, I got even on that oppressive system of right and wrong I was born into. I did something I swore I'd never do. And it felt great. (laughs) Which is funny, because the priest and the parents and the self-righteous girl down the hall that I cannot stand all swore it was going to feel real, real bad. (laughs) Wounded. That was the word they had used. Wounded by the mistakes I had made. But I don't feel wounded. I feel paid. Because I got 30 pieces of silver in my pocket and a whole day of pleasures on the docket. not saying it was easy. Rising to this station, to this point of liberation, I had to unlearn everything they had taught me back in that small town trying to control me. But look at me now. I'm free. I can be who I want when I want better yet. I can be with who I want whenever I want. No commitment. No one I have to share my life with. I've got no one left to miss. It's great. I've been paid and I don't worry so much anymore about what God's got in store. I'm not subject to being his subject. I don't follow the man. I am the man. And so I only follow my plan. Because there is no something greater. Better to learn that sooner than later. Yeah, freedom. Freedom. Freedom is my God, pleasure is my Lord, and since I've only got one life to live, you can rest assured I'm not going to waste it worshipping someone who doesn't exist. Come on, all it takes is just one kiss. Hand them over to the Romans and you're free. No, better, you're paid. Some might call me selfish, but I call me self-made. Sure, you'll lose him, but think of everything you'll gain. Money, sex, power, fame. So yeah, I'm headed into town today to celebrate. Gonna buy something nice, maybe a little frosting, a little ice, (laughs) a necklace, maybe some braided rope for when I'm feeling reckless Seems that now that I've decided he's not worth living for left myself without much to live for anymore Well I mean there's money sex power fame But now that I know it's all just a game it's not really as much fun I mean what's the point in playing if you've already won if you've already been paid. So, yeah, that is poem 3, Judas, definitely one of my most popular poems. So, I think I can't be the only one who sees themselves in his story, uh which I guess is encouraging that uh, you know, not alone and We all face similar struggles and if we can see ourselves in these stories and grow to be better from it, then how great is that? Uh, That one also kind of interesting, worth mentioning is that was the first one of what you guys have heard so far that has been a memorized poem, which is really just a joy for me to get to do because like I said, I haven't been able to perform anywhere in a good six months. So it's fun to just kind of have something that is so deep in that memory bank because everything else that you've been hearing has been Pieces that were never memorized for one one reason or another. Uh, maybe in another episode we can go into what that memorization process looks like because it is, oh, it's a doozy. It involves, uh, I'll give you a, get a little sneak peek. It involves drinking two, I didn't make the rule, this is what it is. You have to drink two large Dunkin' Donuts iced coffees black and practice in the mirror until you cry. And when you cry, God takes it as a sign of your sacrifice and then it's in your brain forever, just how it goes. Um, so for our final poem, I am going to attempt to do one more memorized one. Uh, when I was preparing for this, I was like, oh gosh, there's not, I don't have it. It's crazy. I don't have it written down anywhere. I'd memorized it about a year ago. And I was thinking, oh gosh, it's not written down anywhere. I have a video of it somewhere, but that doesn't help me. What am I gonna do? Just listen to this video over and over again. So I tried it last night preparing for this. And in a shocking turn of events, it is somehow still in my brain, but that is what happens when you repeat a poem in the mirror for seven hours with the two cups of Dunkin' Donuts. This podcast is not sponsored, but Dunkin', if you want to, so do I. Okay. So this is our final poem on the devil. If I were the devil, I'd join a church. Yeah, I'd sit in the pew behind you and whisper, look at her. In a church? You and I, we'd laugh because sometimes it feels good to be bad. were the devil, I'd be a politician. I tell you the others are what makes this world so hard to live in. If I were the devil, I'd have you scared of black boys in hoodies and white men with badges. If I were the devil, I'd have you scared enough to put kids in cages. If I were the devil, I'd be a doctor. And diagnose you independent and prescribe you to a life without letting anyone else in. If I were the devil... I put reasons that you're ugly in magazines and reasons you're beautiful in a book because <laughs> I know which one's more likely to get you to look. If I were the devil, I wouldn't look like me. No, <laughs> if I were the devil, I'd be sexy. You would want me. You would want to be me. If I were the devil, I wouldn't show it. If I were the devil... You'd never know it. So that is our final poem on the topic of bringing the devil to light. And I know this is a bit of a darker episode and we definitely ended on a bit of a darker note discussing Judas and kind of taking on some poetry from the perspective of the devil. But I think it's definitely one of those things where, you know, in the right healthy ways, you should take on the role of trying to figure out how your enemy thinks and also just really calling out his many manipulations, which is the point of that last poem about how, you know, it starts with him saying, um, I would join a church because I think the, there's no greater greater mean girl crime than church girl or church lady against church lady. It is, It is horrific, the things that we will do to our brothers and sisters in Christ. I think most of us can attest to our worst hurts being from someone who we once have shared a pew with, uh, which is crazy, but true. And definitely one of the things that the devil uses to manipulate us out of the church and out of the faith, because he's like, well, hey, if they're part of this church that claims to be filled with people trying to do good and be like Christ, and they would hurt you like that, and they would do that to you, like these people all have to be full of it. Uh, So he manipulates us in that way. The second uh Mask of the devil I included was politicians. I feel like I don't even need to explain that one. (laughs) And just the many manipulations there. I think that one's pretty, pretty clear for most people. Um, Talking about media and books and magazines about the false uh, idol, like the false idol that we make of our own independence. Uh, And just how so often we think the devil is going to happen in such a, he's going to come in such a clear cut way. It's going to be like the scary flickering of lights. And like, you can see something scramble across the end of the hallway and it's a horror movie, but that's not it at all. It's it's real life. And it it can happen at any point. And it comes in these subtle manipulations. He's so sneaky. So that's why I think it's important, you know, more than anything, of course, we need to be just glorifying God and speaking to his goodness through our art. But I think there really is a space for, just unmasking the devil like a like an old-timey scooby-doo villain just unmasking the devil left and right Uh, and so that is today's poetry Uh, i've decided that at the ends of these episodes i'd like to leave you guys with a book recommendation and a movie recommendation at the end of each episode so right now i am reading the abc murders by agatha christie this is, this is weird. I didn't mean for it to be a devil topic and then a murder topic, but it's it's a good one. It's an old one, and I'm really enjoying it, even though I bought it secondhand. And it, um, it apparently the previous owner, it must have been a student using it because it is heavily annotated to the point where like, like we're talking, this person might have scribbled on just as many words as Miss Christie did. So I'm having a little bit of a hard time reading it, but the story is just so good. And anything that Agatha Christie writes is just so good. And then as far as a movie recommendation, this is not going to make me seem all that sophisticated, but to be fair, I don't consider myself all that sophisticated. My roommate and I, my best friend Miriam, hi Miriam, we watched the new Dora the Explorer movie the other day because we are looking for media that's not going to bring us down. We can't handle any violence, any darkness right now. There's too much of that in the world. Uh, so we are looking for exciting and fun and interesting, but just wholesome stuff. And so honestly, I can't say enough good things about this new Dora movie. I, I didn't expect some of the things it caught me off, you know, me, an adult, it caught me off guard. It made me laugh. It was very self-aware. There was very tasteful jokes for adults, nothing inappropriate. Great for the family. Great for a couple 26-year-old girls who didn't have anywhere to go on a Tuesday night. Can't say enough good things. So those are my recommendations to you, friend. Uh, Agatha Christie and the new Dora. It ends with a dance number. So if that's not reason enough. Just always lead with your heart. less lesson one. Because if you don't, you'll have nothing, baby, less than one. Uh, my name is Claire McAllen. You have been listening to Letters from the Least, a production of the Grexley Podcast Networks. And I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you can find us online and contribute to our Patreon to be able to keep this going. Thank you and have a great day. God bless.